we come before you uh, this morning. God, we thank you for all of these students who have been able to uh, attend their first year in college this year, Lord, despite all the anxiety that we have with uh, COVID amongst um, all the different universities, Lord. We just pray that you would protect our children, keep them safe from the virus, keep the other students safe as well. Lord, as they go through, uh, they have enough anxiety already with just adapting to their new lives and their classes and things, Lord. Put their hearts at ease. <laughs> Encourage them that they are, um, that you're with them uh, through all these different um, days, Lord, and uh, give them wisdom in their classwork, uh, Lord, and uh, new friendships uh, that will be good, godly, and lasting. And Lord, we also want to lift up uh, President Trump and the administration uh, that you would help to give them uh, guidance on uh, what seems to be just be a crazy couple of months. And um, Lord, sometimes we just we watch this 24-hour news cycle on all these different channels, and it just looks like the world is falling apart. But we do come back to you uh, because we can trust that you already know everything that is occurring, that will occur, and that we can put our confidence uh, in that. Lord, we pray that you would grant each leader uh, wisdom as they go through their days and guide us, Lord, up into these election days. And with these elections coming, Lord, it seems that um, many of us have begun to alienate certain people and be alienated ourselves based on our political differences and, um, and ideologies. And it's really come down to rioting and destruction of property, destruction of um, um, personalities on the Internet and things like that. Father, I just ask uh, for forgiveness for anything that I personally have said. And, but also, would you uh, give us grace to handle those people that uh, have been alienated by us and feel alienated? Um, Lord, we just uh, we need some healing in this country. And I just don't know where else to turn but to you uh, to ask for that coming week. We just thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, thank you so much, Charlie. Well, we're continuing today. This is a mini series that I entitled Prisoners of Hope, taking that uh, line out of Zechariah's great prophecy. And uh, indeed, we are all prisoners of a great hope. That was always true for God's people. They always had a hope, and uh, that hope was far beyond their present circumstances, wasn't it? And uh, so all this is uh, based in a direct way to what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, where he takes uh, the reader back to the book of Genesis in chapter 3, where he says regarding the woman, first of all, he, he says regarding Satan that there would be enmity between him and the woman <laughs> and uh, between his seed and her seed. He says, it shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. So in the end, the seed of the woman is going to be victorious. And then in verse 16, he says, unto the woman... I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. 
in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. <clears throat> and of course, this has been greatly uh, maligned by by those who are unbelievers, but even believers read these words and it brings forth uh, quite a, a lot of questions and uh, disputes, really, considering the times in which we're living where uh, the word of God is not as uh, often being held high by by uh, even by believers who haven't learned well what the word says so genesis chapter 3 is very foundational but but note note this one thing and i we've had a large large focus on that these last weeks in our studies together and that's that with the judgment upon the woman there came a great blessing and that's really what this is about um, it's about the blessings through the seed of the woman. You see that, right? You should see that clearly. But how it's all worked out is the question, and in what time frames and in what ways. So uh, in all of our lives, there are challenges, and women have a special challenge, uh, Genesis 3.16 indicates. Paul says, though, that the woman, in this case the mother, he's talking about the mother of the children, will be delivered in some sense. He uses the word in the King James, saved there, will be delivered from this judgment in Genesis 3.16. He says uh, especially that would take place if the children uh, continue on in a godly way. And, of course, that is the desire of every believing mother, right, regarding her children. Um, what a blessing indeed that is to have that in life. Um, so today we continue, and I, I want to quickly review, though I do not want to spend much time on it because I want us to get into the New Testament finally today. Today we will consider Prisoners of Hope Part 4, and the focus will be on a man named Zechariah and his wife named Elizabeth. And then next week, we'll consider Mary and Joseph, Lord willing. Okay, last time we especially focused in on this great book of the Bible, an entire book dedicated to the subject of how God worked in the nation of Persia uh, many, many centuries ago when uh, the children of Israel, especially from the southern kingdom, but they were captured by Nebuchadnezzar, you will remember, taken off into bondage in Babylon. And then in process of time and not much time, Nebuchadnezzar's son takes over and then uh, the Persian king it begins to rule in that entire area, it takes over uh, Babylon, and uh, many of the Jews are then uh, deported from or removed from the Babylonian kingdom into the Persian kingdom. And that was a place where uh, they were not well treated. 
Uh, it seems that there was much anti-Semitism, especially in certain people who had much, much power at the time in the governmental sphere. And um, <clears throat> so what, what happens is that um, the king rejects his wife because she refuses to submit to his request on a particular occasion. And so he rejects her totally, <laughs> casts her aside, and seeks another wife. And so uh, he demands by rule of executive force that all the young women present themselves to him, and uh, many of them do. And one of them is a Jewish young woman named Esther. She's been raised by a godly man uh, named Mordecai, and uh, she's without father or mother, so she's an orphan, and she's been raised by her uncle Mordecai. They are a, a godly people, indeed, and uh, but Esther is under the authority of Mordecai, and uh, it turns out that there is a significant challenge to the the whole life of the nation of Israel here now in captivity in Persia, uh, just after she's taken into the king's uh, harem, as it were. <clears throat> and uh, she is promoted to queen uh, after a short time, but that the challenge uh, is severe is revealed when um, Mordecai hears that a man named Haman has, has by the authority of the king, uh, demanded that all Jews, all Jews be, uh, be exterminated throughout the entire kingdom. What happens is just this remarkable series of events, and I don't want to review all of them now. What I do want to just read again are a couple of verses that establish the faithful hope of Mordecai and uh, and Esther. Um, Esther is now queen at this point in time, and she is the only one, as it were, standing in the way of the destruction of all of the Jews. <clears throat> The edict's already gone forth that they will all be uh, executed on a particular date upcoming. And so Mordecai reveals to Esther that he has heard that that's what's going to happen. That's the plot of this evil man named Haman. And if anyone can be used of the Lord to deliver the children of Israel, it's going to be Esther. Mordecai informs her of that, and uh, even though it's illegal for her to go into the king's presence without being requested, and he hasn't requested any uh, presence of Esther at all for over 30 days at this point, <clears throat> and uh, so if she goes into his presence or attempts to go into his presence, it'll be illegal, it'll be contrary to the rule, and she may in fact suffer uh, the punishment of death for that. That's a common thing in those days in that particular kingdom. And so Mordecai uh, speaks to her 
and this is in Esther chapter 4, verse 13. It says, Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. In other words, he has confidence the children of Israel will somehow, uh, at least some of them, be protected against the uh, edict. But um, he says, as he goes on and says, but thou and thy father's house, in that case, where she keeps her peace, doesn't try to ask for mercy for her people, Thy father's house and yourself will be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. In other words, um, there's an appointed um, opportunity, Mordecai believes, or at least he's hopeful, right? And that would come through Esther's request of the king directly for mercy and for some kind of a regression or canceling out of the king's earlier edict that Haman has demanded. Okay, um, so Esther's response is interesting. That's in chapter 4, verse 16. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Sushan and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Esther is willing to sacrifice herself for the deliverance of her people. Most uh, wonderful indeed, right? But they're all in prayer that the Lord will use this opportunity. Well, what happens is uh, through an interesting and really a profoundly uh, wonderful series of events, Haman, this evil man who's actually, he doesn't maybe know it, but he's carrying out Satan's desires. Uh, Haman basically creates his own uh, destruction by suggesting how the greatest in the kingdom ought to be honored. He assumes that greatest person is he himself. (laughs) And uh, so he sets up the circumstances for his own destruction. And he is destroyed, indeed, uh, at the appointed time. (laughs) Uh, Esther does enter the king's presence. He does accept her request for mercy and uh, grants it. And really, Haman is set up as the enemy of the Jews and of the kingdom at that time and is himself uh, executed. And things develop from there. In the end, Mordecai is made number two in the kingdom and uh, Esther as the king's authority as well given to her. So we end up in the kingdom in Persia with the Jews in remarkable power 
and great glory. And throughout the entire kingdom, the Jews are are delivered. The way they're delivered is that they're given the right of self-defense, which was not legal uh, under the king's rule previously. So they're given through a new proclamation, and it's really at the hand of uh, this proclamation, it's at the hand of Esther and Mordecai, it goes forth all over the kingdom that the Jews have the right of self-defense. They do defend themselves, and God's God himself gives them the victory. It's a miraculous deliverance. So the children of Israel are delivered, and uh, they institute a festival that's still celebrated every year called Purim, uh, considering that and its remembrance of God's great deliverance of his people. Well, that's how the story of Esther goes. Uh, remarkably, that's not actually the end of the story, because there's good evidence to, to, to believe that the son, uh, the eldest son of King Ahasuerus and Esther, his wife, is a man named Cyrus. And there's much revelation about Cyrus, how God works in Cyrus's heart and uh, gives him a commandment to deliver the people and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And that's exactly what happens. So uh, this is just an incredible story. It's most wonderful and uh, brings us to where we are today uh, to open up the pages of the New Testament. What has happened is that there's been a 400-year silence in the prophetic message. We'll look at that in a moment. The last prophecy given in the Old Testament is in the book of Malachi, and we'll look at that in a moment. But then there's 400 years when there is no prophet that God provides. 400 years of silence. And uh, that brings us to the very point we'll be looking at today. Considering Elizabeth and Zechariah, her husband. First of all, this is the outline. Elizabeth and Zechariah are weak ones chosen by God to prepare the way, <laughs> to prepare the way of the deliverer. <laughs> the weak ones chosen by God to prepare the way of the deliverer. Secondly, the appointed time will be marked by an angelic visit. <laughs> the appointed time marked by an angelic visit. Thirdly, the angelic visit is prophetic. Indeed, and that's going to make a great difference. Prophetic indeed. Fourthly, the angelic visitor is himself identified by name. His name, the name of the angel is Gabriel. Gabriel. Then the prophecy and its fulfillment is foreshadowed by the conception of Elizabeth's son. You know him well. His name is John, right? So the prophecy and its fulfillment, see, the fulfillment looks far beyond, but it's foreshadowed by the conception of a son by Elizabeth and uh, her husband, Zechariah. Then finally, just as a preview, next time we'll look at it more carefully, but 
God selects his handmaid, and she'll be called that, his handmaid, Mary, and her husband, Joseph. Uh, Mary will bear, be the actual one <laughs> uh, that Genesis 3 looks forward to, to bear the seed that will ultimately destroy Satan. How about that? The Lord's handmaid. Okay, so first of all, Elizabeth and Zechariah are weak ones, but chosen by God to prepare the way. I call them weak because they are weak indeed. I mean, they've reached uh, elder years, and there's been no son uh, conceived and, and brought forth, right? And it was a great desire, not only of Zechariah to have a son, but of his wife, Elizabeth to bear that son, right? This was the hope of women indeed, right? And they were prisoners of that hope. So let's begin to read here concerning how this now begins to develop. And remember, it's 400 years of silence prophetically. Uh, the children of Israel have not had any revelation from God since Malachi. Okay, so let's uh, start reading then uh, there. Uh, Roy, would you please start us out in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Now, as in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife, uh, daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they both were righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. And they both were well stricken in years. Thank you, Roy. Okay, so that sets the stage indeed. What are they thinking? They're thinking they're in their years past child conception and bearing, right? And uh, they're very concerned about it. And as we'll see, they're in prayer regarding this still <laughs> because they're the prisoners of hope. How about that, right? How could it be? Could it be? Still, that's the question. Okay, who was Zechariah and who was Elizabeth? Well, they were both, it says here, uh, the, <clears throat> of, of, um, of Aaron. <laughs> um, so Zechariah is a priest. And uh, the priestly service was in what was called a course. So there'd be a course, meaning a certain program, according to the calendar of the year, was set forth uh, for the service of the priests in the temple. And if you were a priest, you would be called forth from your own local location, which could have been anywhere could have been anywhere. Uh, uh, and in this case, it was in the hill country where they lived, which is far from Jerusalem. But they were uh, 
called forth. He was called forth. She stayed behind. Uh, he was called forth to minister in Jerusalem in the temple, and it was for a, a two-week period. There were 24 courses covering then the the year. Um, and so he had gone forth to minister there. Here's the name of the chorus, Abia. It's the eighth out of the 24, the eighth of the sacred uh, calendar. Okay, so that sets the stage for this. But as we'll see here, they are in prayer <laughs> still. Okay, I'm going to read, though. They had the prophecy, you know, of Malachi. Malachi, the last uh, prophecy God gave was here in Malachi chapter 4. I'm just going to uh, ask uh, Charlie to read that, because when you read that, you understand what the nature of the hope of the believers in those days was all about. Okay, so Charlie, would you read from Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, please? Yep, the Italian prophet Malachi. Uh, and I will come near to you in judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right, and fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Hmm. Uh, strange thing is that that is not what I thought you were going to read. So let me just look that up. Was that four, five, and six? Yeah, should be. Hold on just a second. Um, Oh, you know what? So sorry. I read three. I saw the yeah. number four on the page. Chapter four, verses five and six, please. And that was a good uh, that was a good word anyhow. So it was. <laughs> Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Oh, OK. Thank you very much, Charlie. So those oh, are the you. words that would have been on the hearts of a priest looking for the return of the Lord. And uh, yet before that time, Malachi prophesied that Elijah the prophet <laughs> would be coming back. And they might have all wondered how that could possibly be. But it says uh, he's going to accomplish this incredibly great work. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come, he says, and smite the earth with a curse. This all goes back to great prophecies in the uh, the other prophets, especially Isaiah and uh, so forth. So um, I'm thinking that Zechariah and Elizabeth uh, may be, have been well aware, probably were, of that. Certainly Zechariah had these verses memorized. They all did. They're awaiting for the fulfillment of the prophecies and wondering if they could themselves play a role in all of this. Maybe not directly, maybe indirectly in some way. Okay, well, this gets us to the second part here. <clears throat> um, the appointed time is marked by an angelic visit. Okay, so Luke chapter 1 
verses 8 through 11. Gail, would you please read that for us? And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God and the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at that time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Uh, my, thank you, Gail. An angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah. It's, uh, the wording is interesting, but I won't go into it. But <laughs> there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. It's like um, Zechariah is in some kind of shock. And as we'll see next, more than shock. Uh, <clears throat> indeed. Um, well, this particular angel is going to be identified in the next section and his name given. And when we look back to the Old Testament, we see him specifically, that particular angel referred to twice in Daniel's great prophecies, because the same angel appears to Daniel to give him understanding of prophetic events, understanding of things to come, because Daniel had been given prophecy, but the prophecies were not to Daniel understood. He felt like, uh, oh, what, how can it all be? And he didn't understand the prophecies that were given to him. Prophets do not necessarily understand what they've prophesied. Okay, and that was the case there. And Gabriel gave him uh, understanding. Remember, Daniel had, had visions given by God, but in this case, an angel was required to better understand those those visions. Okay, let's go on and see that. But before we do that, just stop to think of this. Um, here's a here's an angel. He's now going to to uh, be very active for for the short time that he's present, very active with with uh, Zechariah, and um, he's going to give him understanding of things that otherwise he could never understand. There would be no way at all of knowing the future apart from the direct revelation of God Himself. Right? In this case, through the the angel. So I'm just wondering whether all of us realize that without the help of the Lord, we cannot know the secret things of God, right? Certainly can't understand prophecy. You can read the words. That doesn't mean you have understanding, right? And uh, so uh, we pray to the Lord always, don't we? And wait on him to give us understanding. And that's what the Holy Spirit who dwells within us believers today provides. Okay, let's go on. Uh, we'll see more about the angelic visit. First of all, that it is prophetic. Okay, <laughs> that means with reference to future events. Okay, so let's read that. And that's going to be Lisa. Lisa, please read Luke chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. 
And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and, she, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. Okay. Thank you, Lisa. So this message from the angel is prophetic, but notice that it's prophetic in a very personal and specific way. Uh, and that is that Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, will soon be bearing a child. And that will be a child that will necessarily, according to the angel, be named John. That's very important as it turns out. Um, so uh, you might expect a human response to this whole situation it would be great fear, and it was at the beginning. But then I think as Zechariah heard the details, probably uh, his fear uh, turned to total amazement, <laughs> total wonder, right? Uh, wow, the the Lord God is going to work, and he's going to work in such a way that that Malachi prophecy, the last prophecy given by God to the children of Israel, and, and no more for 400 years. But now, uh, again, prophecy is recovering in the nation, right? And it will be through their son who will be born in due course. Okay, so uh, it's amazing. Notice it says, for thy prayer is heard. So Zacharias is certainly in prayer regarding this, and his prayer has been heard. That's uh, something, by the way, that uh, Daniel was told by Gabriel <laughs> many hundreds of years before, right? Your prayer was heard, right? Okay, Elizabeth shall bear a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Okay, turns out that when the son is born, they will name the son John, though nobody, <laughs> nobody in the family wants it like that. And certainly uh, Zacharias doesn't either, but uh, he has no choice, right? And he will write on a piece of paper, his name is John. We look down to the end of the chapter to see that. It'll be a little um, assignment for your study this coming week to look to the end of this chapter to see how this will be fulfilled. Okay, let's get on, though. Let's find out who the angelic visitor is. Uh, he will give his name. Okay, and for that, 
Patty, would you please read Luke chapter 1, verses 19 through 22? And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. Okay, thank you. Thank you, honey. Okay, well, notice that Zechariah doubted the word of God through the angel, he doubted (laughs) that this could be accomplished. They had had hope, they had prayed, but now when the message came that there would be a son conceived, he doubted. This might remind you of many other (laughs) times when the children of God in Israel's history doubted all the way back to, uh, of course, Sarah, (laughs) Isaac, Sarah, and uh, many others after that, right? They doubted uh, that God would deliver according to his promise. At least for a time they doubted, and then they believed, right, finally. Okay, and so we see here that Zechariah doubts. And so now the angel speaks to him and says, and this must have been pretty amazing, for Zechariah, because he knew the prophecies of Daniel uh, so well. You can be sure of that. He knew about Gabriel. He knew about how Gabriel gave prophecy to Daniel regarding the coming return of the Lord and what would lead up to that in the tribulation period, right? And so here, uh, the angel says, I am Gabriel. (laughs) that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. But thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. Thou believest not. Thou believest not my words the angel gabriel brings a judgment upon zechariah he's now dumb he cannot speak all he can do is write (laughs) and use some kind of signs and that's what the next verse says okay so as i said for your assignment next time go read towards the end of the chapter i'll give you a hint right now it's in verses 63 and 64 when you will see, where you will see, when Zechariah's dumbness is resolved. And you should already be able to guess when that will be because the angel Gabriel tells him when it will be. And that will, in fact, occur. Luke chapter 1, verses 63 and 64. And I'm not going to read it. I'll just let you read it later. Okay, let's move ahead. Um, 
there will be a son now conceived in the prophecy given uh, by the angel Gabriel to Zechariah will begin to be fulfilled because it's going to be foreshadowed by the conception. So reading on there, Elizabeth, would you read for us from Luke chapter 1, verses 23 through 25? And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Oh, thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. So. Elizabeth reading about Elizabeth. Yes, it's appropriate. <laughs> okay, so God does fulfill the promise and Elizabeth conceives. You see, Zechariah finishes his ministry and takes the trip home into the hill country where uh, he dwells with his wife. And uh, after some short time, it seems, uh, Elizabeth conceives uh, the son. Okay, and it says something interesting there. Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And uh, I may say more about this next time. The wording is interesting, isn't it? Certainly what happened was far more than just that. Elizabeth herself was uh, blessed greatly in her heart when she saw that the hand of the Lord was upon her. And we ought to be aware of the hand of the Lord on us, shouldn't we? And should be expectant concerning how he will work. Uh, go ahead and when you, when you can, look at the notes where I've included uh, a, a lot more detail than what we have time to uh, to look at today in our meeting. Okay, let's finish up now, skipping ahead. <laughs> and this is just a preview, because next time, Lord willing, we'll look at the details of it. But remember, the purpose of um, this one who would, in the spirit and power of Elijah, uh, bring great blessing to the nation in in preparation, it would be in preparation for the return of the Lord. So a people needs to be prepared, and the way of the Lord needs to be made straight. You will remember there are other prophecies about that. Okay, so uh, let me read this, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And in the sixth month, remember, there was a five-month delay there, and then the sixth month came right along, right? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, Thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among 
women. <laughs> Those are, let us just say, pregnant words indeed, right? If you know my meaning, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Why? Well, because Mary was chosen to be the bearer of the the seed of the woman. And it is the angel Gabriel who comes to reveal this. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, she is the handmaid, indeed, of the Lord, as we'll see uh, next time. Okay, just to conclude then. Mary also uh, had fear, no doubt, when the angel appeared. <laughs> uh, but um, the uh, fear would be resolved, right? Certainly Joseph did too. And uh, the fear would be replaced by great, great joy. Uh, we'll read about Joseph being visited by the angel next time. But it is Gabriel, the special envoy of the Lord. This is one of only two angels ever revealed by name in the Bible. One, Gabriel, the other, Michael. And they have different purposes, it seems. So Gabriel brings uh, understanding of the future plan of God and uh, the way that will be developed. Notice that these two, Elizabeth and, and um, Zechariah, also Mary, certainly, and Joseph, have patience. They are waiting on the Lord to see how the Lord will work. They're living their lives day by day, hour by hour, in the light of a hope that's enduring. And we saw that uh, revealed through so many others in our studies recently, right? Re Rahab, Ruth, Hannah, Yehoshaba, uh, Esther, then Elizabeth and uh, her husband and Mary and her husband. Um, they all had a hope that endured and it sustained them through very hard times and the hard times would only develop more as we'll soon see uh, now that the hand of God is being revealed Satan is watching he's observing everything the seed of the woman promise is his great fear that the Lord would finally fulfill the terms of that deliver by the woman uh, the seed who would ultimately destroy Satan himself and his work right so Satan's observing, he learns a lot by observation, and he will use every force at his, at his uh, uh, hand to defeat the great work of God. But for Zechariah and Elizabeth, all in life was, quote, I read that from their testimonies, of the Lord, of the Lord. They were godly indeed, so expectant and so patient. So are we, are we so expectant and so patient? That is the exhortation today that we would.
waiting on the Lord to see what his grace will bring. And not being troubled by the circumstances of the day in our own small worlds or in a larger sense, even in our nation, but resting in the Lord and in his great, great work. Praise the Lord for that. Well, amen and amen. I wonder if there are any any questions or comments. Probably uh, you're standing in awe over the scriptures that we've considered today, and indeed I am too. (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. Any questions or comments? Okay, let's pray. Father God, thank you, thank you. Thank you that even though you were silent, not speaking prophetically for 400 years, uh, you did keep your promises and the great promise, uh, great prophecy of, uh, of Malachi at the end of the Old Testament was uh, now beginning to be brought to pass uh, as has has been written so many years before. So, Father, thank you for that. Thank you for those that had the hope uh, in their heart that always springed eternal, as it were. They never compromised in that. They always waited on you. There are always those that will always wait on you, Father. I pray that we would be those in, in that group and not be led astray by the concerns of this day or hour, which may be very great indeed. Father, I pray that uh, you would um, overwhelm us with the sufficiency of your grace. And with all these great testimonies found here in your word, Father, may we cleave to that hope which is eternal. May we truly be prisoners of that hope and uh, always seeing you at work, therefore, in our lives. May we walk by faith and not by sight. And uh, may we rejoice now and evermore. And may your peace uh, overwhelm our spirits and our souls, that with your peace uh, we know we also are victorious in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we would thank you in his name. And amen and amen. Well, Lord bless all of you.